Hey, welcome to Transform Your Workplace. It's Brandon Laws, your host. Hey, we skipped a week. Apologize for that. We've had a hectic schedule and wanted to just take a quick break. We've got tons of material recorded that we will keep putting out every week, every Tuesday is what we aim for. And we're so happy to have you as listeners. If you are an avid listener of Transform Your Workplace and get a ton of value, we'd appreciate a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show and continue to tell your friends about it. We are growing this show. We're getting tons of great guests and really just appreciate all the support that we've had on the podcast over the years. A lot of employers and workplaces are, are benefiting greatly and creating a great workplace because of the guests that we bring on. And because of the support for the show, we, we're continuing to to pump this out. And I love doing this. So thank you for all the support and all that. Well, sometimes, you know, on this podcast, we talk about big ideas, like grandiose ideas. Sometimes they're hard to implement. And we're talking at a high level about a theory, a concept, a philosophy in, in which we can take back to our workplace. But sometimes the simplest stuff is the easiest stuff to do. And it can be the most impactful. So I had a conversation with Neil Naibo. Neil is the author of Workplace Positivity Guide and Workbook, 30 Micro Actions to Eliminate Negativity wherever you work. So as the title of the book suggests, there's 30 micro actions that we can use throughout our workday and implement inside of our workplace that make a huge impact. So Neil and I touch on, I want to say like a handful, like maybe 10 micro actions and we dive deep. And I had a really fun discussion with Neil, very genuinely a great person. And just, I love the, I just love his philosophy and outlook on life. So there's a lot of really cool things that I, even I've taken and using team meetings and things like that. So I think you're going to get a lot of value from this podcast and I hope you enjoy it. Make sure to connect with Neil on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, and a little bit on Twitter, but I mostly just tweet about sports and things like that there. So make sure to connect with me on LinkedIn if you want to keep it just professional. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Neil, it's a pleasure to have you on Transform Your Workplace. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh, Brandon, thank you. I'm just delighted to be here. You wrote a, a workbook and a guide called Workplace Positivity, 30 Micro Actions to Eliminate Negativity Wherever You Work. I mean, the theme of this podcast is transforming the workplace for the better. It's positive culture. And I, I love the content inside your, your books. I want to talk through a couple of the actions a lot of these are so simple that we can do on a daily basis. So I think this is going to be a fun conversation. One of the actions you suggested is to think about what you're thinking about. What did you mean by that? Yes. Yeah, so just by way of introduction of the book, I have a partner, Nicole Phillips, who has been the host of the NPR Kindness podcast for many years. And this is one of hers, actually. And what her point is, is that we often or usually go through life thinking things without being aware that we're thinking them. And it's to develop a third person perspective on our own ideas, our own thoughts, so that, you know, are we are we being negative? Are we being critical? Are we being judgmental? Oftentimes, we have to wait for somebody else to point that out. 
And Nicole's point was, listen, do some self-reflection. Think about what you're thinking about. Hmm. A personal example is uh, I used to have a long commute to work and I would realize that I had just spent the last 20 minutes in a conversation in my head with another person. Have you done that? Right? Oh, absolutely. That's why I'm laughing. It's that's so relatable. Right. Yeah. The point of the book is just think about what you were thinking about. How much of that was knee-jerk reactions and worst-case scenarios and all of that. So just this one little micro-action of thinking about what you're thinking about will just kind of blow our mind. Interesting. You know, Neil, I was I was talking to a coworker this morning, and I'm sure you can relate to this too. For for whatever reason, I'll wake up in the middle of the night, like two, three a.m., and I'm thinking about just random stuff, like things I said or things I have to do, and it's just this constant. And then I'm just like sitting there awake. What should I do in that case? Would this apply? Like, think about what I'm thinking about. Like, what do I do? <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, that's a whole nother thing. Uh, yes. So first of all, think about what you're thinking about and realize, oh my gosh, I'm spending all of this energy right now in the middle of the night yep. thinking about this situation I can't do anything about right now. Maybe that'll help. But I'll just tell you uh, what I do. If you really want sleep advice, that's another podcast. But <laughs> uh, but I actually start reviewing a movie or a book that I know really well, usually Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that'll put you to sleep. And yeah, it's, it's true because what it does is it, it shakes your mind off of that thought. So I just think about Sam and Frodo, they're going to Mount Doom, and then they, <sighs> I'm asleep again. I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's good advice. Yeah. Uh, I struggle with that all the time. But hitting on this point about think about what you're thinking about, how does this apply when we're thinking about like interpersonal conflict at work or something like that, where you're just, you're replaying maybe a situation in your head or or an interaction that you have that just didn't go well. Is there, is, would this work in that case? It absolutely does. In fact, what happens is these micro actions are connected to one another. And so these are kind of building blocks. Uh, if you think about, wow, I'm really upset right now and I don't like what they did. The thinking about that is why am I upset about what they did? Well, it's because what I think they mean is they want this, that, and there's another micro action about just offering somebody grace and grace without getting all religious or spiritual or something is simply assuming the other person is doing the best they can given their current level of understanding. Wow. Can you imagine applying that to a situation you just are talking about? Oh. Maybe they aren't a diabolical fiend. <laughs> Maybe they don't understand uh, either the situation as I understand it. It gives time for more opportunities to reflect. But you can't do any of that until you think about what it is you're thinking about. Right. Yeah, that's a good good point. You suggest finding an accountability partner. How does this work? Is it formal, informal? Is there a structure to it? What kind of agreements are needed, or if any, to, to make this work? Thank you. That's a great question. And let me back up just a minute and say, I have four steps that anyone can walk through to become a positivity superstar or rock star. And the first one is 
decide to be different. Believe me, I'm going to get back to an accountability partner. But decide to be different is not decide to make a difference. See, as a manager, we could say, oh my gosh, positivity, kindness, whatever. You know, I'm going to make a difference and I am going to direct all of my direct reports, the people I supervise. We're going to start doing some micro actions every day. Well, you know what that is for them? That's not a kindness. That's not an act of kindness or micro action. It's a new responsibility. And all the benefits that come from doing an act of kindness, like it pours dopamine and endorphins and oxytocin into our body when we do an act of kindness, all of that disappears. It's now a responsibility. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I got it. Oh, all right, fine. I'm going to, it just takes, and it does that to ourselves as well. I'm going to make a difference. I mean, you can just feel that. Instead, what I, I invite people to do, decide to be different. Oh, I'm going to be different. I'm going to think about what I'm thinking about. I'm going to take some micro actions and do some on a daily basis. See how that just kind of frees us up to be our best. All right. So an accountability partner is a really wonderful step for us when we've decided, you know what, I really want to be different. I got some issues I'm working on. I'm going to ask this person to hold me accountable, which sounds like a really hard thing or a really big thing. All it means is, is if you catch me doing something that I've said I don't want to do, let me know. And I'll tell you how simple this is. I actually put a post-it note on two people's door frames in their offices that were next to mine. And I said, I'm really working on this kind of communication, this kind of response. And maybe it was being sarcastic. And I said to them, would you do me a favor and just put a check mark on this post-it note when you see me being sarcastic? Hmm. And oh my gosh, it was hilarious because I'd be talking to them and they'd be sitting at their desk and I'd say something and they'd go, stop right there. And they'd get up from behind their desk, grab their pen, walk over and put a big, just go check. I'm like, ah, <laughs> and you know, hopefully there aren't so many checks on that post-it note. Right. That's an example of a very simple accountability partner. Maybe you know that's what you're asking them to do. Mm-hmm. You don't have to set up an, a, a contract and say, you're my accountability yeah. partner every week we're going to meet. What I always find interesting is when feedback comes unsolicited to people, there's a lot of defensiveness that usually comes with it. If you set up an agreement of sorts, like, hey, I, you know, I think this is a blind spot for me. So if you notice this, please tell me. And that's an agreement. And I, I love that because then there's a, it's a two-way partnership agreement on, on that. It doesn't, it's very casual, but at least like, you know, that the feedback is going to be welcome. Oh, that is Huge. Thank you. You just helped me understand why oh, I crashed and tell me, tell me more. two weeks ago. <laughs> I sent an email to somebody. It was in my area of responsibility. And I said to them, you know what? And we had a relationship. And I said, I'm going to take a risk and offer you some feedback that you didn't ask for. I tried to be as gracious as possible. And you know what? They never responded. Interesting. Of course, they didn't write back and go, hey, thanks so much for that. But they didn't also write back and go anything. They just like literally did not respond to my email. And what I realized was had we, it was about a presentation that we'd made together. And if in the planning of that presentation, 
I had asked for permission. I had said to them, hey, would you hold me accountable? Maybe is too harsh a word, but I'd like to ask you to give me feedback. And I wonder if when this is over, if you would like me to give you feedback. Now we've asked permission. Now it's all set up. So now the email is, hey, remember when we talked about this at the beginning? So I've got some feedback. At least they Beautiful. would have said, oh, that's right. I did ask for that. It takes the sting out of it. That's your idea. There's a book I read years ago. I cannot remember the, the name of it, but it was it had something like that in there where it's like, if you're going to give feedback, you need to ask for permission. Otherwise it's, yeah. you know, feedback can be a gift, but if they don't want it, they're not ready to hear it, then you can't give it. Unless it's like a manager employee relationship, you kind of need to do that. But um, when it's a colleague or something like a peer or something, it's, it's a little harder. It's, it's touchier. Yeah. Well, we're all learning. Good. I'm going to think about that. Good. good. Me too. I'm <laughs> constantly working on that. Um, so one of the things that makes workplaces really toxic is gossip. And I think, I mean, no workplace is immune to this. No community is immune to this. No school system, no church, no, no nothing. Like gossip exists, right? It's just, I don't know if it's a connection thing or whatever, but how do we like step, like get out of it? If somebody's bringing gossip to us, uh, this happens all the time, water cooler talk, whatever. How do we remove ourselves from it? Great observation. And one of our micro actions actually addresses that specifically. It's uh, develop an escape plan. <laughs> How do you have an escape plan? Maybe on the phone, in person. One of the examples that Nicole gives is that she, she literally removed herself from a meeting. So she was having lunch with a number of people and somebody came up who knew the group and just started talking about somebody else who wasn't there. And Nicole just said, excuse me, I'm going to go to the restroom. And then she hung out <laughs> until the person left. What happened was when she got back, the other people, uh, and, you know, she wasn't gone for half an hour or anything, but maybe a little longer than maybe. Sure, was it a group talking about somebody in particular or is it a one-on-one -on -one situation? One individual was talking mm -hmm. about somebody to the group. Got it. And Nicole, rather than challenging that person or saying, I'm uncomfortable, you know, no direct action, just got up and left. But when she came back, all the people at the table said, oh, we're so sorry. You know, we know exactly what happened there and, and we apologize. And in fact, that other person, like two weeks later, wrote her a note and said, oh, I can't believe what I did. I'm so sorry. So what was great about that is Nicole had an exit strategy. I'm just going to remove myself. Now, imagine if you are in an office or I'm not sure how it would work on Zoom. Maybe you would say, hey, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to get up and I got to go get a drink of water. My kids are screaming. I need to leave. I got I need to leave. But people would pick up on it because, you know, you know what people pick up on are the ones who like to gossip. If you're the one who's like, tell me more, right, then they know that you're a person who likes it. But if they know you don't like it, maybe you'll help the whole group culture a little bit. And over time, you know, you don't want to be that self-righteous person who's like, oh, don't talk in front of Neil because, you know, he doesn't like. But if you're gracious and if it's totally congruent with who you are as a person, and it just makes you uncomfortable. The first one that have an escape strategy, an escape plan is a good one. Then you know there are ways to begin to be more assertive in your reactions. What we're talking about are these micro actions, these tiny little things where it's almost easier to do it than to not do it. And that's the case with Nicole. It was easier for her to get up 
and step away than to sit in the group and, you know, start getting anxious and stuff. So that's what the genius of micro actions is. Yeah, really good point. In the book, you talk about getting curious and how that can reinforce a positive workplace. What do you mean by that and how, how does it work? It's a great practice to want to ask questions rather than making statements. Mm. We have stories that we generate inside us very quickly uh, and assumptions, <laughs> right? So uh, and some of them we grew up with. Some of them were installed in us by our parents. So that's like therapy. But, you know, we have stories and we revert to them very quickly. Becoming curious is a specific way to interrupt that story and say, genuinely ask, I wonder why they said that. I wonder what's going on. And so to say, hey, would you say more about that? Or I'm curious about why this seems to have a lot of energy for you or, you know, anything, whatever is appropriate to the conversation, you know, and it may be an email, it may be a phone call, it may be personal conversation. But if you just go with this micro action of develop curiosity, it circumvents or, or kind of puts a, a roadblock into that assumption, right? you know, and we react and respond with an assumption. And instead, we've practiced. And so we know what we're going to do, we're going to be curious. And there are two kinds of micro actions. One is an internal micro action. And the other is an external one, like a decision to do it internally versus like actually like taking action on it. Exactly. So like, uh, think about what you're thinking about internal. Mm -hmm. That's an internal. Yep. Making you work on yourself. Being curious is internal. Now it'll lead to an external question or it may not. It just may in your own head go, huh, I wonder why. And then maybe it turns you to thinking about, well, maybe I should offer them some grace. Maybe I'm just going to give it some time. But all of those things happen because you had this internal action of just becoming curious. Mm -hmm. I always feel like with curiosity too, it's a way to bring people closer together and develop a relationship. Like if you're curious about another person, their background, I think about this in the diversity, equity, inclusion space specifically. It's like the way we can bring each other closer together and learn about each other's backgrounds and cultures. You ask questions, not avoid it and make up stories in your head about why they do something or like what background they are. Like curiosity will bring us closer together and help develop relationships. Yes. I was just watching a show last night and in it, two characters are avoiding an uncomfortable topic and one of them blurts something out about it. And uh, the other one says, I notice we're never talking about mm. this. Is that because we think that it helps not to talk about it? And then the other person said, nah, I don't think that's working. <laughs> you know? Uh, right. So I, I love that, especially about, like you say, with diversity or, you know, like, mm -hmm. wow, that's such a great insight. How did you develop that? Where did that come from? You know? Yeah, good stuff. This is a quote from the book. So you said that seldom we use technology to communicate our most important information, our gratitude. What about that? You know, just shed light on on what you mean by the, the technology piece. Since I wrote that, I have a very personal example uh, I was in a position recently that uh, I got there a year ago and spent time with different people for a year. But with one of them, it was mostly remote. And we had the opportunity to have dinner together. And within five minutes 
of this is like I'd known him for 10 months within five minutes of sitting down, you know, and having a beer and, and talk. Hey, so where'd you grow up? We realized that not only did we grow up in the same town, we grew, we went to the same high school at the same time. Wow. He was a year ahead of me, so I didn't actually know him, but his brother knew me. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was like, oh, my gosh, that's the power of personal being with each other. And of course, I know you and so many other people with this podcast are thinking about how do we do remote? How do we create a remote work culture when it's not going away? Wow, the power of that personal being with each other. If we can develop that even with technology, that would be amazing. But the idea of communicating our most important thoughts with that we don't do it with technology is if you just think on the surface, when was the last time we texted somebody and said, hey, I just wanted you to know how important you are in my life. Oh, I love that. Right? Yeah. I got that. I would be like, just, I mean, that'd make my day. Like, I just think people, they don't do it because it's like an internal, like, oh, I wonder how they're going to receive this or judge it. Like, is it weird? It's an ego thing, isn't it? Like the reason we don't do it. Yes, that's right. I don't know how they're going to respond. I don't. Yeah. And so uh, the one of the very first things I do in a presentation uh, with a group, no matter how large or small it is, I say, hey, you know, we're talking about positivity today. Uh, let's do this. Get out your phone and go through your recent texts. Just find one person that you think is positive that you could send a text to and say, hey, I'm in a lecture, I'm in a, I'm in a seminar on positivity, and I thought of you. That's it. That's all I want you to text. Just text that to somebody. And everybody gets out their phones and they all text. And then I say, now, this is what I want you to do. Leave your phone on. And around the room, phones start dinging, right? And uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, because people are like, wow. Thank and, what, and we say, read it. Oh, thanks so much. I think of the same of you. And occasionally someone will get their phone will ring and they're like, oh, no. And I'm like, answer it. Tell them you're in a positivity meeting. I'll call you back. And it just lightens up the room. And the other funny thing about that is that you literally get that hit of happy hormones, those endorphins and serotonin, those things pump into your system and that other person's system, the one who received the text. You both are happier. Because of that one That's thing, so good. there's another one of our micro actions is uh, send the same text to multiple people. So what I'll do is later uh, in the talk, I'll come back to that text now that they're kind of engaged and they're, they're kind of warmed up. And I'll say, remember that text that you sent? Can you think of somebody else you'd send it to? Why don't you copy and paste and see if you can find five people you could send that to? And suddenly, 25 people in the room, there's, you know, 100 positive messages going out that took like a minute because it's a copy and paste. I do that on Mother's Day. I do it on, I actually sent out five or six texts. <laughs> this was like in October. And I said, oh my gosh, I just read that in August, there's National Friendship Day. And I realized I missed the opportunity to text you and tell you I appreciate you being a friend. I sent it in October. It was a, <laughs> but it was an excuse to to do it. And I and I got back five responses. You know, hey, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Next time, do it on the day. You know, something. <laughs> That's so good. I'm gonna use that. Actually, I'm leading a 
uh, I have a marketing meeting once a month with my team and I always do like an icebreaker of some sort. So I'm going to, yes. I'm going to use that. I'm going to start the meeting next week by saying, Hey, grab your phone. And I'm going to, I'm going to have you send a text to somebody that you love and care about and that you just let them know that have a great week and love you or whatever it may be exactly. like a message could be yours, but the hit of dopamine will get and the other person too. I'm, that's so beautiful. I love that. It's so simple too. Yeah. It's microaction 14, by the way. So yep. it's, one, it's one of my favorites. Love it. Yeah. When I was, I think I was 22 or 23, I started reading all these like self-help books. Um, How to Win Friends and Influence People is one of the ones I loved. And it was because it was so simple. It was kind of like this micro actions, right? You're like, yeah, so simple. One of yours is smile more. And that was in how to win friends and influence people. And I remember when I got to the workforce, like my kind of first job out of college, I made a concerted effort to smile whenever I'm interacting with people, regardless of how I was feeling. And especially when you're in like cubicle land or you're walking through the halls, having a big old smile makes you more approachable. Talk about the importance of smiling and how it impacts the workplace. Well, you know, almost every motivational, inspirational speaker has that in their back pocket, you know, smile, you know, and then it's funny, we try to, we shame people. We're like, uh, you know, if you're happy, you know, tell your face. It's like, Okay, that's not the best way to talk about it, but you can develop a habit, a micro action of thinking about your presence. How are you presenting yourself? And that, and smiling is one of the simplest things. But here's a little secret too. If you are doing some of those other internal micro actions, if you're being curious, if you are offering people the benefit of the doubt, you're offering them grace, you're thinking about what you're thinking about, you're all of those kinds of things, all of that can bring you to the place where smiling is a natural reaction. You don't have to work hard at it because there's nothing more creepy than a, than a non-natural smile, right? I mean, uh, you don't want to, don't do it if you're faking it, but uh, genuinely um, think of a positive thought as you're walking into the room. You know, I really like being with these people, you know, something that helps you have that positive thought. But I'll tell you what, smiling body language experts will tell you that whatever you do when you're in a conversation, the other person will kind of respond. So if you cross your arms, they'll cross their arms. If You know, it, it just is kind of this unconscious reaction. So if you smile, there's a very good chance they'll smile. And as I say, it's none of this is designed to be manipulative, but being genuine about it just makes everything more positive. Yeah. Let's end with this, that one of the last, I think it is the last micro action. It's kind of like a nice bonus action because it's like a list of a bunch of things that we can jumpstart our kindness at work. So I love it. Maybe talk about a couple of those things that we can jumpstart our kindness at work. So we just threw in this list and there are things like clean the break room microwave. Okay. I don't think that's a micro action. I think that's a pretty big action. Uh, <laughs> it might take all day. Yeah. It might take all day. Bring gluten-free brownies to your coworkers with allergies. Thank you your boss for feedback. We talked about that. But one of the things that we wanted to just make clear with that list is you can literally Google acts of kindness and, you know, get 50, you know, get 25. Some of them are really interesting. They're much more aggressive than our micro actions. Like one of them was start a volunteer day. Wow. That's kind of a big thing. A huge thing, but it's great. But it is great. And 
What I think is all of those kinds of things, one of the things I want to be careful with is that I want to help people develop one or two or three micro actions that they can do regularly, that they're not exhausted when they're done with it. If you do the company's first volunteer workday, you may be so exhausted when you're done with it that you never want to do it again. I want you to send a text to somebody that you go, that was so great, I'm going to do that every day. So the great thing about it is, is that once we develop those muscles, those positivity muscles, they're going to develop. People will invite us to do things. And there's no end to the, you know, to the number of things we can begin to work on with kindness. Neil, this has been a great conversation, a lot of fun to have you on the podcast. Where can people learn more about you, your work, anything that you want to leave people with before we part? Well, Thank you. And it's been a, a joy for me. Uh, you can go to neilnibo.com. You can spell Neil correctly or incorrectly and you'll still get there, but it's uh, N-E-A-L-N-Y-B-O. And uh, there's a lot there. I try to provide some resources and information, download a free excerpt from the book uh, so you don't have to buy it. You can just take a look at it. I just want to be able to inspire people and then provide resources. I, I really see myself as a coach, not just as a teacher that gives you more information, but as a, a coach that helps you actually become the person that you want to be. So thanks for this opportunity. My guest today has been Neil Naibo. Thanks for being part of the podcast. Appreciate you. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guest's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws. The material and information presented on Transform Your Workplace is for general information and educational purposes only. Zenium HR or the host, Brandon Laws, does not necessarily endorse any guest, their business, or any organization they represent. Discretion is advised. Please work with a trusted advisor to find a custom approach that fits your organization's needs.